Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Did the Fed just blink? Did the Fed just blink? Is Jay Powell saying uncle? Or is it the markets and economics reality versus a politician? You know, I don't know. We, we had a, we had, but more importantly, is it too late to sell or should you be buying? Mm. Right. Is this a bottom or are we even close? Should you start to be nibbling? How should you handle this volatility? This is a very, very choppy market in a, in a bear market. And are we at the bottom? Well, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about Mike's revisit to one of his favorite sectors. And Ted is going to present his stage analysis that he studied from Stan Weinstein just, a, just, a, a, just recently. Now, I had a bunch of topics and articles about the show getting ready to go from the tax bracket inflation, which is sort of good news for us. They raised the tax bracket levels to compensate for inflation. Of course, it's for 2023, not 2022, which they could have done retroactively. I've seen tax uh, increases retroactively in the past before, but normally you never see tax breaks. It's, it's kind of pathetic. Um, also, why BlackRock's cookie-cutter approach is, should be tossed out. And by the way, there's a lots of class action lawsuits against some of their funds, you know, their target date ah. funds for these big, big corporations or 401ks. And related to that is Fidelity. Fidelity wants to seal your IRA rollover. Don't let them, folks. They want to steal, keep the money with them. It's like the Hotel California you can never leave. And, I, and, 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 and we'll talk about that later. And then the big article I was going to talk about is the point of no return in Chinese real estate. Ah. Okay, we've talked about that before, but it looks like it's getting worse. And and speaking of of real estate or or actually shorting real estate, we'll ask Don how my short real estate is doing a little bit later. So I was going to talk about all those things, and if you want to, and and if we have time by the end of the show, we're gonna we're gonna hit those. And and if you want any specific advice about any of that stuff, you can certainly reach out to me. But but the Fed had to steal the center stage today. They came out this morning and said, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to change course just a little bit, or at least we're going to jawbone about it. Mm. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But first we got to give the disclaimer folks, this show, your money podcast is not meant to be specific individual investment advice. If you want specific individual investment advice, reach out to me uh, at revereasset.com. You can call me at 855 Real Wealth or Dan at revereasset.com, or pretty much anybody on the Revere team. Um, um, Or you can reach out to your own advisor, but this show is meant to be for research and educational purposes only. And occasionally we actually get, you get some entertainment value out of it. So anyway, all right, with the disclaimer out of the way now, so the Fed actually decided that, let's see, where does it say? So remember how they were talking so bearish and they were going to do these uh, three-quarter point uh, raises in infinitum into the future, and they could see no end. And the market really was selling off. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, the bonds were getting hammered. Early in my career, a professor money manager up in New York told me once, he said, I can't remember his name now, he said, man, uh, pardon my French, all, all the F- Fed gives a, about is the bond market. 
That's all they can because that's where they get their finance. They buy and sell treasury bonds, right? Because right. they don't care about the stock market. All they care about is the bond market. So bonds have been getting killed, and bonds are actually down as much or more than a lot of stocks. Mm. I mean, they're down like 25%, 30%, right? Wow. Yeah. Right? And bonds are supposed to be safe? Not so much. Not right now. Anyway, so, and that's why I say, is it markets and economics, or is it because the midterms are coming next month? And so they're just talking about it. But, but here's what was leaked by the Wall Street Journal. Apparently, they got a, a report or they got a source. And they said they're gonna, the Fed is going to raise in November by 75 basis points, 0.75%, which we already kind of knew, and then debate about smaller uh, rate hikes in the future, including a smaller increase in December. Ah. Oh, that just, that just set the market. The markets, the markets were... Uh, kind of down before the open, the futures were down a couple hundred points on the Dow, you know, in the red. Pretty good. Uh, Don will talk about the specifics, but about three quarters percent or something like that, maybe a, a percent. And all of a sudden that 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 story came out and the markets reversed immediately. And now they're off to the races. The question is, is this just a dead cat bounce, a little Band-Aid? Or is this actually a bottom? And this could be a good good buying point. But But here's the thing. So they've been 100%, both the Doves and the Hawks, Right mm-hmm. on the Fed have all been yes, yes. We got to kill inflation. Unanimous vote, hundred percent. Keep raising. Well, now um, they said, and I quote: "We will have a very thoughtful discussion about the pace of tightening." And many members expressed a quote desire to slow down the pace and stop raising early next year to see how their moves this year are slowing down the economy. We want to reduce the risk of an, this is their words, unnecessarily sharp slowdown. Now, others said it would be, quote, too soon for those discussions because high inflation has been proven to be persistent and broad. Mm. So when basically all that's really happened, folks, this whole big market rally today is because the Fed said, first of all, they took the certainty out. Some people were saying that, it may even be 1.1%, a whole percentage point in November, not 0.75. So they knew it was going to be at least 75, but they took that uncertainty off the table. It's not going to be a point. It's just going to be 0.75. And oh, by the way, we're actually sort of kind of maybe discussing that we'll slow down the pace of rates in the future, depending on how the data comes out. Remember, folks, the Fed is lagging, and they're always lagging, and they're behind the curve. So the big question is, are they going to cause a crash landing or are they going to land it pretty smooth like that pilot landed in uh, the East River, New York? I can't remember the guy. Sook Scully. Sully? Scully. Sully. Yeah, Sully. Yeah. Are they going to make a smooth landing or are they going to, is it going to crash and burn? Uh, you know, who knows? But the most important thing is what does it mean for you and how are you going to handle it as an investor? So, Instead of going into some of the other topics that I had, because this is really important, this could be an inflection point. You know, up to the last months, you know, we've been so heavy in cash, it's been pretty easy to just relax and not, you know, because you're not going down with the ship. Now this may be an inflection point. It may not. So I want to turn it over to Don and get right into it and talk about what he saw in the markets this morning, how he's handling it, and how are you going to get – uh, reverse course, or are you going to change your posture, and how are you going to do that? So, Don, it's all you, buddy. Lovely. Uh, see the chart? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so as Dan mentioned, uh, we have a, a 9 a.m. Eastern call every morning, and as soon as uh, Michael got everybody on the call, the futures went from down eight-tenths of a percent to flat in the blink of an eye. And that was, as Dan mentioned, the Wall Street Journal article coming out, quoting anonymous sources, uh, blah, blah, blah. But the question is, how does the reaction to that, uh, the initial reaction is very often a head fake. You have to see uh, what happens after that. And some of that pop was given back. We actually ended up opening down about two-tenths of a percent. uh, And then we had a big move up. I'm showing a five-minute chart here. Uh, We had a big move up to 37.15. Now, this 37.15 coincides with the 21-day exponential moving average on the daily chart, which is this green line. 
and we rejected right there and came back down. So the immediate takeaway from that is, oh great, another move back above the 21. It's another bull trap. You can see bull traps happened each of the prior three days before today. They happened with this big gap up on Monday, this move up early on uh, Tuesday. Sorry, this big gap up was on uh, Tuesday. This fake move higher into 37.28 on Wednesday, the move up into 37.36 on Thursday, and then up into 37.15 on uh, today, Friday. And then you see it failing back down, breaking 3,700, which you can see is kind of a battleground area here by this line that I've drawn. So the immediate takeaway from that is uh, that was planted. They're afraid of the bond market. Uh, the market just came back down. We're back here down to 3668. But now, as of one o'clock Eastern time, we've had a, a resurgence back up to the high. Uh, and what I like about this is we got back above a new high and we had a pullback here and this pullback stopped around 37.02 and then we reclaimed the 21 again. This area right here where we back tested uh, the 21 day exponential moving average around this 37, uh, 37.08 ish area and then we broke out above it again. And right now we're trading at 37.29. Uh, so looking, I, what I like about it is that we got above it, back tested, got back above it, tested it again and held it. None of these prior days did we hold it when we came back to this 3708 to 3712 area, which has been where the 21 day exponential moving average has been over the last couple of days. You can see it flattened out right here near the top of all of these bars. And now you can see us poking above it here. 3728. So that's a good sign if this sticks into uh, the end of the day, which is very clearly what we want to see uh, or what bulls want to see. Uh, that's a good sign for the market. So uh, fake outs in both directions, very typical of bull markets. We took a little bit of exposure off when we failed into the 21. We put some exposure back on uh, when we recovered the 21. And um, as always, we always adhere to our stops and we'll add incremental exposure as things continue to work. Uh, but last night in my video, I laid out six reasons why there you didn't have to be uh, super bearish, despite the fact that we couldn't get back above the 21. And uh, all of those things that I mentioned uh, as of today are kind of, kind of working. The 10-year has dropped. Let's take a look at a chart of the 10-year now. And you can see it's putting in uh, what's called an evening star pattern. This is after a big long run up, you get to the top and you have a hard reversal. An evening star is confirmed if you're 50% back inside the candle before the reversal. That could happen today or it could happen Monday for confirmation, but the 10 year note coming down has been beneficial for stocks. We also uh, saw the uh, reversal in the dollar today. Bring up a five minute chart of the dollar. You can see it gapped up at the beginning, and it's doing the exact opposite of what stocks have done. First, it pulled back. This corresponded with the run-up in stocks. Then it came back higher, which corresponded with the initial failed breakout in stocks. And now it's come down even more severely, corresponding with the move back up uh, in stocks. And when I say stocks, so let's talk about the S&P 500, but all the other indexes are up uh, over 1.5% now as we speak. So weakness in the dollar, and a reprieve, at least in the 10-year bond, is certainly good for bulls. Uh, this bull flag that I talked about last night, uh, on this is on a 60-minute chart on the S&P 500. This area right here, if you draw a declining tops trend line above 37.62 down to 37.36, we've just barely broken above it now. And you can see we came down to the bottom of it. Uh, when we did that pullback this morning at the beginning of the day. Uh, that's that's a picture-perfect bull flag, uh, and we're trying to get out of it right now. You want to see another picture-perfect bull flag. Uh, look at this chart of Netflix right here. Here's the flag pole, which is the gap up. It's invisible, but it's the gap up from uh, the earnings day. Two days of a pullback, declining tops trend line here, and Netflix broke out uh, above the top of this declining tops trend line. The market needs big liquid stocks like Netflix to lead it. 
It needs a handful of them for to push growth stocks higher and to push the market higher. Uh, Netflix has been beaten down for quite a while, but this is exactly the type of stock uh, that the mar that can lead the market higher. And then we've got big um, big earnings reports next week from Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon. And uh, the fact that Netflix had uh, good growth portends well for Amazon from their Prime Video. And also, I've read a couple of articles about record signups for Amazon Prime so that people could stream this Thursday night football package. Prior In prior years, uh, you could get Thursday night either streamed on Amazon or you could watch it on the NFL Network. The NFL Network isn't, isn't shown it this year. You have to have Amazon Prime uh, in order to get that. And they, they crashed some servers on the first Thursday night of football when people realized they had to sign up for Amazon Prime in order to be able to watch Thursday <laughs> night football. So. Uh, that might uh, portend well for Amazon, and uh, really, we'll just see what happens. As always, we never predict anything here, uh, but this all was kicked off last, uh, on the 13th, with that bad CPI report where we had a major negative, re a positive reversal to the upside, uh, and we haven't broken that the lows since then, putting in this flag. Now the laggard is the NASDAQ 100 because uh, that's where the weakness has been in the big tech stocks. If this can get above this declining 21-day moving average, which also corresponds to the top of this bull flag for it, uh, that could lead the market higher. Uh, but those four uh, earnings reports next week and those big four tech stocks are going to be um, going to have a lot to, to say with what the market does, mainly because of how heavy their weighting is in the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500. So we bought Netflix on that break above the 200-day moving average this morning. Uh, we, um, so let's show that one more time. You can see the black line, the 200-day, which was it, Netflix stopped going up the prior two days. I talked about how I wanted to see in the video last night about how I'd love to see Netflix do a Chipotle which the first day up, Chipotle paused at the 200, the second day up it broke through it, and then it kept going higher. Hey, if Netflix wants to do what Chipotle did here, we've got a position now, so that'll be quite all right with me. Notice when um, Chipotle did that, that the market was going higher, so it had the wind addicts back. Right now, we're in a downtrend in the overall market, trying to get above the, this green line to at least start a short-term uptrend. Uh, see there was something else I wanted to oh yeah we added to what I consider to be the number one can slim stock in this market that's AEHR uh, they do test test systems for silicon carbide uh, semiconductor companies uh, up on 44% average volume today up 7% we uh, now remember this is a thin stock so we have to be careful with our position sizing in it because if we have to sell we can't uh, impact the, the uh, price of the stock, but uh, three days up on the third day, it had a negative reversal, big positive reversal today, up 7% with volume that uh, above the breakout level too. So if we see stock, stock starting to break out and continue higher, this is something that has been very absent from the market over the last couple of months. Any follow through on uh, stocks that try to poke their head out. And uh, if we can get that going for us, uh, as Bill Murray said in Caddyshack, which is nice if we could get that going for us, which is nice. Gunga <laughs> So, so that's so, my. I want to add ahead. one question. I want to add one question before you go. So, you're talking about the big four tech stocks doing earnings next week. We've increased our exposure today, and we have, you know, how are you going to go? play it heading into those earnings? Well, I won't take any positions in those individual stocks. Right. Uh, and we won't take a position in the NASDAQ 100 because of how the big uh, weights impact that. But I won't hesitate to add to uh, other stocks that are leading or to the S&P 500 index position that we have via UPRO right now. Um, Which is three times just, the S&P long. Yeah. yeah. As always, we just keep our stops in place. Um, those. Those will, I mean, a negative reaction on one of those will impact either XLC, XLK, or XLY, which have varying percentages within the S within uh, the S and P 500, but a much bigger percentage impact to the Nasdaq 100. So we won't, uh, 
Um, right. Those those were tech, and we won't take and, a position on that. Yeah, the right. XLP, the ones that he was talking about, folks, are are, are, are technology yeah, or growth sector. Yeah, ETFs. Okay, so now if they so it would be a very positive for the market if at least three of those four companies reported pretty pretty strong. And when I say strong, folks, it's all relative because they'll sandbag the analyst uh, going into earnings so they can always, quote, beat the number. And it's really not the number itself. It's how Wall Street perceives the number. That Are they beating the whisper number? It's all cryptic. It's so funny. Um, but but if, if that happens, then you'd be ready to add uh, in, in the NASDAQ? Yeah. And one, one other thing, show the charts again, Zach. Uh, very important. This is the VIX. This was one of the six things that I mentioned, a reason uh, to be to not be bearish. Uh, I'll follow through to the downside on the VIX today, breaking below 30 and below the 21-day exponential moving average, and the slope of the 21 has now rolled over. If this can get down, the sweet spot is this 24 to 26 area. There's going to be a lot of uh, battle in there. If the VIX gets below 24, the market is going to go higher. Um, I usually don't make definitive statements, but it's depending on whether or not what the VIX does. But if the VIX breaks below 24, uh, and every tick down with the VIX, the market should go higher. They are have been almost perfectly inversely correlated uh, over the last, or really throughout the year, uh, but especially since June. You can see this perfect cup and handle. You've got an inverse cup and handle uh, on the S&P 500. Uh, inverse cup and handle on the S&P 500 and, and a cup and handle on the VIX. So they, they usually are inversely coordinated, and they certainly have been uh, lately. But you, but you got to keep a very close eye on it, folks, because the VIX is a we, concurrent indicator. It happens while, I mean, it happens in real time with stock. So you can't, it doesn't really help looking, you got to really be paying attention and be Johnny on the spot using the VIX. Yeah, the, the VIX, the dollar, the uh, the 10 year and the market are all very correlated, uh, inversely correlated right now. So um, it's hard to say which one, which one's leading which, but uh, the market is certainly reacting to uh, the dollar, the 10 year and the VIX. Okay. All right. Well, listen, folks, we're going to, I'm going to let Michael and Ted see if they want to add any comments to that. And then we're going to get to uh, Michael's revisit of a sector that he really Thanks. Has a lot of potential. Uh, Mike, did you want to add yeah. any any comments to this? Um, no, I was just wondering. Um, so, Market Smith hasn't updated yet, but from what I can see, um, are we are we potentially tracking for follow through day today on the yeah. um, S and P? Yeah, yeah. So I, I checked Spy and I actually tweeted it out. We are around one point seven percent up on the day, and we're tracking at about fifty percent above average volume. So as of now, you would get a follow through day. You can't go by the spy volume. You have to go by the index volume that's shown on the MarketSmith homepage. Uh, and NYSE volume right now is up 11%. By the end of the day, first of all, okay. mark, uh, the, the volume's going to get blown out of the water by the end of the day. It's absolutely going to be higher because today is up uh, OPEX. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, options yeah, like expiration. At the end of the day, there'll be a ton of trading. So you'll get the volume. The question mm -hmm. is, will you get the percentage move up on the indexes? Mm -hmm. which, which needs to be what? Yep. Uh, 1.4 to 1.7, depending on the index. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, by the way, that, uh, stock you were talking about, that was your number one, um, 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 can slim stock. I believe if I'm not mistaken, it, yeah, I think it's also the number one stock. IBD is also saying that it's the number one. So I think it's the, on their number one list too. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously they listen to our videos. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, hey, a few times they've come out with some things uh, right after. Anyway, yeah. we mentioned them. Uh, all right, uh, all right, Michael, let's go. Also, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Ted? I'd also note that there's a character change on the dollar. So if you go to UUP in the last four weeks, I think today's the fifth distribution day, and so that's something to note. And since the dollar and the and equities are inversely correlated, that is good signs for the bulls. Okay, let me let me put my Ted Terpreter on for for the people that haven't been following the podcast very long. So the dollar has been very strong lately. And when the dollar yeah. gets strong, the market gets weak and vice versa. So yeah. strong dollar, weak yeah. stocks, weak dollar, strong stocks. He's saying that it looks like the dollar is peaking and rolling over and getting weaker and may be headed down, which is also bullish for stocks. So there's a couple, and that, 
fundamentally that makes sense because if the Fed says we're going to be a little more dovish, they're not protecting the dollar. The dollar is going to come down in price. One of the reasons the dollar has been so strong is the Fed has been so hawkish and, 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 and strengthening, raising interest rates, which is actually very strong for the dollar. Okay. All right, Michael, let's, let's go to your uh, favorite, well, one of your favorite sectors. You talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, but now we're talking about it again, Nat Gas. Yeah, I, actually, you, you're you're right. It is it is my favorite sector. Um, big fan, been following it for a while. So um, I wanted to revisit it because um, it's it's still doing well. So um, I, I will revisit some some topics from now and then um, as long as they're doing well. And the ones that aren't, uh, maybe we'll we'll forget about those. So um, going forward, I'm just kidding. By the way, we'll we'll revisit all of them. But um, it, it is nice that uh, that natural gas is. Um, has been working, uh, so so we'll start with that one. Um, so fundamentals story still the same. Um, European natural gas, the way they track it is uh, Dutch TTF. Uh, prices peaked two months ago, and now they're back down, but they've settled and they are continuing to settle at a level that is six times um, higher than than where it was last year. So now it's at thirty six dollars and seventy seven cents per contract. And this time last year, it was at $5.50. So it's settling well above. The levels that it got to um, was like over $100 per MMBTU was totally unsustainable. And the market wasn't even really pricing that in because it, it just it couldn't remain that elevated. But where we are settling is still extremely supportive for the, um, for the U.S. producers and exporters to, um, to export and sell it in the European markets for an, an insane premium. Um, just for comparison, prices in the U.S. are now at five dollars per MMBTU, so seven times more in in Europe if you're selling um abroad. Um, so now this chart, LNG, which is my uh my my favorite stock in in the entire market right now um, in terms of story and fundamentals and and technicals. Um, so when we bought it um originally it, August 10th on that on that breakout uh, above um above 150. It um you can see the uh basically that entire consolidation it had from April to August, it went sideways while the market was coming down and it was building relative strength, gaining, and then the relative strength broke out before price did. Um we came down a little bit, flagged, and then the stock broke out. And when it broke out on August 10th, that's where we took a position. Since then, where the price is today, um, LNG is up 16% from that breakout point. And uh, during the same period, the S&P 500 is down 12%. So it continues to um, build momentum and strength, perform super well. Um, and it's now consolidating near its highs and, and could potentially uh, be setting up for another leg higher. A lot of analysts and um, people that are covering the, the stock now have... Um, Price targets over two hundred dollars. Um, it, it's now um, pretty watched and covered in the uh, in the market. So there, there's still a lot of uh, room for it to to go higher. Um, I like about the chart as well is that it has had shakeouts along the way. So when it first broke out, hit that high of around one seventy three, came down to one fifty, tried to break out, couldn't, and came back down. It actually undercut its 50-day moving average, hung out there for two days, and then gapped above. And um, that was a that was a big shakeout along with the market. Um, got rid of, I would say, weaker hands, and um, now it's it's setting up and uh, continuing to move higher. And basically, after that shakeout, you can see it was uh, there were, I think it's 10 days, 10 consecutive days of just buying, 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 buying while the market was. Um, Kind of hitting hitting lows, so uh, a lot of accumulation and power there. Um, the story, the fundamentals are still extremely supportive. So um, I'm I'm holding a position in it. I've I've had a position. Um, I actually added to it on weakness, um, just because I I have so much conviction in it and um, no reason to um, to sell yet. And um, I would look to adding more on on a break out of these highs. Um, if the market's supportive, but I've already got a pretty large position and um, don't want to overexpose myself. Um, 
But um, but yeah, it's still still looking good. So I like that a lot. And uh, something I wanted to mention um that I didn't cover, I don't think very well in the uh when I when I did the segment a couple months ago was uh the difference um so that people understand the uh the three um sort of um groups within um oil and gas and and you've got upstream downstream and midstream and um lng chenier is uh is more of a midstream uh play within within that industry so what the difference is is that upstream is um basically the explorers the upstream they're the ones who actually identify deposits drill for wells um recover new materials underground so that's your exploration and production downstream is what occurs after the production phase to the point of sale. So anything that has to do with uh, post-production of oil and natural gas. So for example, refining and delivering those products to directly to consumers is the downstream. And then the midstream is involved in the storage, processing and transportation of the products. So what Chenier does, the reason why they're, they're doing so well and they're kind of, um, unaffected by fluctuations in prices is because they actually purchase natural gas from the American producers. So they don't produce it themselves. They process that gas into LNG, and then they offer their customers the ability to load that liquefied natural gas onto their own vessels directly at that plant in, um, in Sabine Pat in the, in the Gulf, or they um, actually have their own ships as well. They call them trains where they can ship that LNG to regasification terminals around the world. So their business is, um, is less uh, susceptible to fluctuations and volatility in the actual commodity price themselves. Um, so that's your, your midstream play. And there are some other midstream plays within that sector um, that are working well. Uh, one of them is STNG. Um, it's a little small for us, so we would, it's kind of hard for us to get in and we have to pick um, between uh, less um, liquid names uh, over at Revere, but this is a, a stock that's doing great as well. And they're involved in, um, they have ships where they actually um, ship the product. Uh, so similar to, to LNG's uh, shipping business. And then another one that came up on my radar recently that's actually uh, breaking out and, and looks really good is a uh, DCP. And um, that's, uh, that's a pure midstream play. Um, they do a lot of the marketing and and sales and securing contracts for for these um these these uh LNG companies um and and gas and oil companies. Um, if you look like on a on a weekly chart and a monthly chart, you can see it's um it's getting up to that level. Um, it's got the volume, it's got good characteristics and fundamentals, and um it could um it could continue to to break out, but it's also a little on the uh on the thinner side, so hard, hard for us to own at Revere, but, um, that sector is doing, continuing to do really well. And, um, it's got the momentum and the, uh, the spotlight behind it. So, um, I guess now it's just, um, looking for exhaustion, uh, and looking for reversals in either the fundamentals or a breakdown in the technicals to, um, to determine that, that the trend's over, but, um, could be early stages of the, uh, trend here. Um, so we shall see. That's exactly right. And I was going to make that comment. <laughs> and I was going to say, they're actually like the railroad cars for natural gas. They're the, they just, just, just like the rail is the <clears throat> distribution for the United States for products. Um, and, and what he means by not being affected by price so much. So the upstream, the producers, they get huge fluctuations with the price because when the price goes way up, their stock pops and they're much, much more profitable when the price goes down. They got to start capping wells and it's not even profitable to do business with the midstream. <clears throat> they're just the middleman. They're just paying for transportation. Right. So price goes up. People kind of cut back a little bit. They may do less volume, but they still got a. It's a higher price. If the price comes down, people use more. There's more volume, but a lower price. So it's a lot more stable and they don't have to worry about that. All right. My, you know, I, and, I, I, and, yeah. and sorry, just, just one, you, just Go ahead. You go first, Michael. I was just going to say, tagging along to that. So what? And and then the reason why LNG, um, Chenier specifically. And when I say LNG, I'm talking about Chenier. Um, that's their ticker. The reason why they're um so special in this midstream business is because not only do they market and sell the um transport the the natural gas, but they are the largest premier 
liquefier of that natural gas. So right. and what they do as well is their contracts are long term contracts. So 85 percent of their business, their cash flows are already stable and secured for um, the net until 2050. So they've got long term contracts, very visible. And then the 15 percent that isn't secured yet, they're able to take advantage of opportunities in the market when they come. So that 15 percent now they're they're taking advantage of this opportunity in Europe and selling that LNG to Europe. Um, so they've got the stable, steady income for, for decades, and then they've got the 15% flexible where they can really take advantage of these arbitrage opportunities. Arbitrage opportunities. I thought, it was really, Go ahead. I thought it was really nice of them to put midstream in the name so that if you had any question as to whether or not they were upstream, downstream, or midstream, it, it re removes any question that you might have. Yeah. <laughs> Look at, look at Dan, I have a question for you. Go, go for Dan, it. Yeah. We also, we know that uh, you you are a large producer of natural gas, so maybe uh, you would uh, know this. Uh, go ahead, Don. <laughs> Dan, this is a limited partnership. Does Do all LPs produce a K-1 for tax purposes? Yeah, I believe so. I'm not aware of a limited partnership that doesn't do a K-1. And if you're an LLC taxed as a uh, limited partner, is a partnership, I think you do a K-1. Partnerships, by definition, do K-1s. Okay, so come tax time, just a note to anybody listening. This is a beautiful chart. You can see massive inverse head and shoulders. Uh, breaking up, if it breaks above that neckline, it's a very clear breakout. The fact that it is an LP, you could get an extra document at tax time. And people that own this in IRAs will get that document also, and they may be responsible, correct me if I'm wrong, for having to uh, pay or take a gain depending on how the limited partnership paid out its profits or losses. Is that correct? Well, so let's let's back up because I, I really, I, I, I take a little bit of unbridge with investors getting so scared of getting K-1s. I, I get it. It's, a, it's kind of a hassle. But the reason you get a K-1 is you can actually pass on depreciation and other items so that you shelter some of that dividend. So on a partnership, it could be considered return of capital first and in dividends second or interest second. So you could actually have a lot of that. The, the, so it reduces your cost basis. So it actually is kind of gets preferential tax treatment uh, for a long time for years if you're willing to deal with a little bit of a headache. Now, with regard to the IRAs, when they have unrelated business income, UBI, Okay, so if they're a natural gas producer and all of a sudden they take a left turn and decide to uh, sell widgets or deliver meal, do something totally outside of natural gas as a that's unrelated business. And if you create income out of that, if I think it's a, it used to be a thousand dollars, it may be different now. But if you had an over a thousand dollars of unrelated business income, then then you that can be taxable. But their normal income is generally not taxable, even in IRAs. Don, my CPA says, don't even worry about it. I've never seen the IRS you know, do anything because hardly any LPs do unrelated UBI. So, okay. So, so anyway. All right. <clears throat> By the way, I love these two sectors, Nat Gas and Coal, both. Michael found those. You know, basically, that is the sector that those two sectors run this new green new deal mm. i mean those are the sectors that power <laughs> electric cars yeah it's a real good back that is back. the great it's not electricity electricity doesn't uh, uh, happen out of thin air you've got to create electricity by burning coal burning that gas using big turbines at a water you know dam on a river yes. or you do nuclear take right. or, you know electric generation when you can generate as... you can run your electric your electric your toy car uh -huh. anyway all right i digress <laughs> all right now now, for this next topic, we're actually going to bring on Ted because he loves, Don does too some, and I think Michael does as well, but stage analysis, uh, and it was uh, stage analysis by uh, Weinstein, and he's uh, very good. And uh, so uh, take it away, Ted. Let's, let's see what you got. Yeah, so on this podcast, we always throw around stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. And for those of you guys who may not know, that is – the concept just developed by Stan Weinstein. Um, he wrote the book Secrets in Profiting and Bull and Bear Markets. And I think it's just a foundational like technical analysis concept that everyone needs to learn first because it helps you identify the longer term trend. 
So like volatility contraction patterns, like cup and handles don't matter if you don't get the long-term trend correctly. And so Don, can you pull up the PowerPoint if you don't mind? It's up there. No, just go Got it. it. There it is. Oh, it is. Oh, there perfect. We go. So um, stage analysis and revere, I, I'm sure it's part of Don's process to look through charts and identify which stage we are in. And since we're a trend following firm, we want to put all the probabilities in our favor when we take either a long position or a short position. Um, so this past summer, actually, why I'm so interested in this concept, I entered at Trader Lion and I was lucky enough to help like Stan Weinstein and the team create his masterclass, which is on their service. And I, I actually highly recommend it. Um, and stage analysis during this bear market has helped me personally and Revere as well stay on the right side of the markets. So let's get into it. So what is stage analysis? It's so Stan Weinstein identify like repeatable trends in stocks in almost any securities, futures, even commodities. And he developed this concept and he separated it into four stages, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. And the main thing is to watch the 30 week moving average and the slope of it. And what this does is enables a trader investor to put the trends and probabilities in our favor when we want to take a position. So let's, let's get into stage one now. So stage one is the basing area. And this occurs either after a stage four decline or after an IPO. Um, the bases are a little different because you won't have the past, like the previous price action after the IPO. But the concept is pretty much the same. And this is when supply and demand moves into equilibrium. Buyers and sellers are pretty much balanced. So you'll have ups and downs, failed breakouts, failed breakdowns. But overall, you're still within the trading range. And during this time, we're looking at the 30-week moving average to catch up to the price. And it's also flattening out at the same time. Um, so the stage one area is the neglect phase because it can last weeks, months, or even years. And you don't want to sit in a stock that is not doing anything. So now we will move on to stage two. And this is where you want to be taking your long positions because in the 30-week moving average has begin an uptrend, we've broken out of the previous trading range while we were in stage two. And this is where we see character, like price and volume characteristics of volume moving higher as the price moves higher and dries up on pullbacks. And so I'm tying in a, a study done by Minervini actually, like with computer models. And he found that 99% of biggest winning stocks actually began their moves in a stage two uptrend. So why would you not, why would you buy something in a stage one, stage three, or even a stage four when you're in that 1% club and that like, why would you ever want to be in the 1% club? The probabilities just aren't in your favor. Um, so onto the next slide, I have an example of a stage two breakout in square from 2016, 2018, that time frame, And you see that the volume comes in on that breakout above that trading range down below. And then on the right, we have coupang and it just kind of shows and illustrates the price, like the, the characteristics of a stage two uptrend. When we, when we move up in price, the volume comes in. And once we pull back, it's very tight and subtle and, it, and the volume dries up. And so after stage two uptrend, stocks don't go on forever. And now we enter the stage three topping phase. And this is where we have to start being careful, lightening up on our positions, maybe even completely selling out of positions because stocks run out of steam and often they, they'll fall off cliffs. So the first sign of a stage three is when price slices through the 10 week moving average on volume. Whenever that happens, that's the first red flag and we must just start being aware of and keeping track of the price and volume action, being aware to see if we wanna reduce or sell the stock. And this is where the 30 week moving average flattens. We get wider, looser and more erratic price action. And we'll also get churning, which is Either we, we see high volume, but it doesn't go either up or down. And it just kind of stays in, within a range on high volume. And a final characteristic of stage three is that there's good news coming out about the stock or commodity, but we can't make new highs. And then so on the next slide, I have an example of Amazon, like the recent example of its top. And you can see how erratic the price action is. You can see the 30 week moving average flattening. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much stage three. And one of my favorite quotes from Weinstein is that is the bigger the top, the bigger the drop. So Amazon <laughs> I, is not doing quite well this year and you can see why. Um, so finally, 
this is the stage four declining phase. And this is where you want to sell all your stock. You do not buy here or average down because it can lead to detrimental losses to your portfolio. This is where you can do some judicial shorting, even though shorting is definitely like more difficult than going than buying the stock. And here's another Minervini concept. Minervini and Sam Weinstein are like really good friends in real life. So I've kind of tie their concepts in together. And Minervini has a concept called the 50-80 rule. So that's when leading stocks top 50% of them go down 80% and 80% of them go down 50%. And this market definitely has reflected that all around. Um, and so we enter stage four when we break down below the 30-week moving average, declining 30-week moving average. And, we, and the characteristics of the stage is lower highs and lower lows while rallies are on lighter volume. And so in that conclusion- looks, That looks a lot like 2022, doesn't it, Ted? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's like this simple concept, in my opinion, has revolutionized how I see the markets as a whole, like whether it's an index, commodities, um, or individual stocks. And so finally, in conclusion, just to summarize a few like major points, we want to buy in stage two uptrends because we want to be in the 99% club and we want to sell stocks in stage four. Um, this concept, stage analysis, keeps us objective because we put price action first and not our own opinions. And then finally, since I kind of took some like screenshots out of TraderLine's masterclass, I highly recommend going check out that class. Got to give credit to them. And yeah. And so, Don, actually, I wanted to show a few stocks from the last cycle that kind of like perfectly embodies this concept. And then I wanted to show one more stock that is about to that is just rolled into stage four from a stage three top. Um, so the first one is Arc K, the notorious Arc. Kathy, <laughs> if, you go, if you go on the weekly and then compare it Man, to Man, this, this, this touches all the stages, doesn't it, You Ted? can see it. Yeah. You see stage one, <laughs> stage two, three, and four. And like, if you're just buying stage two, just follow the 30 a week moving average and just sim some simple price and volume action analysis you'll you'll catch the move in like you'll you'll catch the major uptrend and get out of the way before we see like what 90% decline 85 90% decline that so the second stat I, stock, I love that yeah yep. yeah yeah no and so the second stock I want to look at is DocuSign and if you go on the weekly it shows it, it depicts stage analysis quite well you can clearly see the stage one basing phase when it IPO'd, then it started that stage two uptrend. That's that stage three top, which was from like that twenty late twenty twenty area to late twenty twenty one, and then that massive bar down. I think that's probably on earnings or something below the thirty week moving average. And it's ever since it's been in the decline. And if you were to buy an average down, you'd be losing a lot of money. That's exactly what I was going to say. How many people said, "Wow, what a great deal!" After this big earnings, yeah. you know, this was a hundred dollar stock. I can get it at one fifty now. Mm -hmm. It's trading at seven dollars. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like the, it's the COVID now, stock, like Peloton. I mean, yeah. the story was over. Yeah. <laughs> and then now let's let's go to a bigger company or a larger cap that people thought could never go down this much. Let's look at Netflix, which was part of like the Fang acronym. And you can you can see the characteristics of stage analysis as well. And we're actually coming back. This is looking bit, a little stage one-ish here, isn't it, yeah. Ted? Yeah, exactly. Stage one-ish. Yep. And so I didn't get into like a more advanced part of Stan Weinstein's concept, but he he like separates each stage into like minuses and pluses. And so I would characterize this as a stage four B minus, which is we're about to enter stage one, and traders can get more involved in this in these areas, like how Revere. Has just gotten involved and we can get some get some nice little profits down there um and well, then that's finally, good because during your presentation michael and i added to uh netflix we've got a six percent position now so yeah. now we can multicast oh, nice, here nice yep <laughs> and then the final stock i want to look at it hasn't completed stage four but it's it's seeming it's seeming like it's going to happen is tesla and currently people still don't really see tesla going down that much more but We'll see if the Minervini 5080 rule continues to hold up. You see that that huge top. It's almost a two-year top now. So, like Stan Weinstein said, the bigger the top, the bigger the drop. Uh, the 30-week moving average has rolled over 
and we are making lower highs and now lower lows. We also have a head and shoulders breakdown. So not looking too good for Tesla. All right, Ted. Well, listen, I, that, that's my presentation. Uh, that's that's awesome. So, folks, in, in, in just a kind of a big macro view, uh, now they dig deep into the specifics, the 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 technicals, the numbers, the the I mean, the statistics. It's it's very calculated. It still just gives you probabilities. It's still not an absolute. But basically, in a nutshell, what he's saying is is you don't want to try to bottom fish and buy. They're talking about a whole cycle from the beginning of a big big rally off the bottom all the way up to the top to the market peaking and then the market the stock sell off. It's one whole cycle of a stock. So stage one means that you're bottom fishing. You don't know yet. It hasn't been confirmed that it's going to, you know, rally strong, right? And that's why um, he's saying, uh, Weinstein's saying, you don't want to buy stage one because it could be two weeks, could be two months, could be two years before everybody recognizes, hey, this stock may be good. Once you start getting into stage two, people are starting to accumulate, starting to buy, and it's about to run up. And it, that's the really the, 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 the bread and butter, the filet mignon of the move, if you will, right in the middle of it. Then stage three, it's forming a topping pattern, and it gets choppier where you still have high volume, but it's just sideways. It does not doing anything. And finally, you have the whole sell-off, the big collapse. And, you know, even IBD, that 50-80 rule from Intervini is great. Even IBD will tell you from their studies that leading stocks drop on average 72% from their top. Let me repeat that. Leading stocks drop 72% from their top. That means some stocks drop 90% or more, Peloton. Some stocks may only drop 45 or 50%. To get that average... Okay, but basically what that's saying is the best and normally those are the best of the best, the ones that ran up the most. And that's why it's so important to to, you know, keep that in mind and not just buy. If you just buy and hold, Don, pull up one of those charts, please, with a stock, a stock with that cycle. If you just buy and hold, this is a great point. So pull up the not Tesla, the one before um, that had went all the way up, then all the way back down. Right. So if you have a buy and hold mentality where you just sit there, you ride it all the way back up and then you give it all back, uh, all back down, and just like that. And that's why there's that study called sequence of returns that said if you just do a buy and hold pie chart, your quality of retirement is simply a function of when you retire, what the market is doing the three years in and at retirement. So if you retire right there at the top, your retirement's twice. They're assuming you're just going to go to cash and never do anything again, right? That's which is also not quite true. But the whole point is, if you if you retire at the bottom, like after the tech wreck or after the economic crisis, you have a lot less money. And so we think there's a better way. We think it's quantifiable and measurable. Does it does it make you be much more active? Yeah, you're you're trading more, but you also have a lot less drawdown. Mm. So it's a lot. And by the way, the mutual funds do trade behind the scenes. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You just can't see behind the curtain. They won't show it to you. That's one of the reasons they like these mutual funds, because you can't see all the activity. Now, but the other thing is they also, most mutual funds have to be fully invested 90, 95% at all times. So if they're a tech stock, they got to be all in tech regardless. So it's not, you're not the client. the, The fund is the client. The money manager is managing to the prospectus of the fund. So when he gets money in, he invests it, even if he thinks tech stocks are way too high. So it's your job to know when to sell the fund. People don't realize that. They think the mutual fund kind of represents them. No, it's just a tool. You want to be in that sector at that time. If you don't, you shouldn't own that fund. There are no breaks in most mutual funds. They can't move to cash. They can't get defensive. There are a few exceptions but they're far and in between. All right, Don, you want to quickly uh, talk about what you're going to be looking for heading into next week? You covered yeah, quite a whether bit or not this. we can keep. Yeah, whether or not we can hold this 21-day uh, moving average is the key for the close today and going into next week. This is um, exactly what we want to see. We've had a couple of false moves here. This reminds me of this area over here where we tried to break down, but just could not get below the lows of the shakeout area. This ends up being an island bottom. This was an island bottom. 
and uh, see if we can set our sights on the declining 50-day moving average. All right. Well, folks, listen, uh, we kind of the, the Fed came out and, and made some surprising changes to the sentiment their their kind of view coming out. Uh, they talked a little more dovish and that really kind of ignited the markets. And this was an important we had some ta- a few other things to talk about. They are in the show notes and maybe I'll uh, hit them next week. But if you want to talk about any of those, uh, look, the economy is still in jeopardy. And we're still heading for, we're actually in a recession now, regardless of what the politicians say. But it's a very mild recession thus far, but it looks like it's going to get much worse. China's in deep, deep kimchi. Here's the thing. You've got to separate mainstream. What is kimchi? Kimchi. (laughs) Deep, deep kimchi. You never heard that? Kimchi. <laughs> I don't remember it's heard anybody say it like they're in, they're in deep. I don't, I don't know. That's just I guess I inherited it. My dad, my dad used to always say that. Oh, you're in deep kimchi. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know what that meant. Anyway, um, um, so now I lost my train of thought, Don. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the point is, you don't want to just do it. Just just be in there random. You want to take action. But the reason we switch gears today and we didn't go over some of those topics is because that we've had a few false starts and sputters in the past two months where we've gotten in a little bit and gotten out. This actually hit resistance and banged up against it a couple times and then broke through it. This might be a little more sustainable. And we don't, we're not making predictions. I'm not saying it is. But I am saying the Fed has made a key shift in posture. At least they jawboned about it. Now, whether that's just political so the market doesn't just go totally in the toilet right before the elections or whether they really do mean it and they want to well, they're not supposed to be political. They're supposed to be apolitical, but let's face it, they're not. Um, um, or are they really going to change posture? Remember, the market will rally, and it'll rally strong. You'll be in a bull market before you come out of a recession, just like the market will sell off and go into a bear market before the, rece- before the recession, which has happened this year. So the market is a leading indicator. The technicals lead the fundamentals, folks. So before you see earnings getting better and better, the stock price is already going to be up. Some of the best minds in the world have figured that out. So these big, big multi-billion dollar funds are doing, now whether they're right or not, sometimes they'll make a wrong turn and do the wrong thing. But that's still where the money is going and prices are going up. That's why we always say at Revere, price is truth and you don't argue with price. Okay? That's, that's just the facts. And so we, we want the fundamentals to correspond and dovetail with the technicals. But when it's time to sell, the technicals always uh, uh, trump everything. And by the way, we will also buy some on the technicals off the bottom with a tight leash, knowing that we could get stopped out if it didn't work out. Because when it does come off the bottom, you'll get a 15, 20% pop in a very short order. Just like when the market sold off, they lost 20% in a month. And if you just sat there and didn't take any action, you were down 20%. So anyway, folks, listen, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just send them to revereasset.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button. They can hit subscribe, just put in their name and email address. We won't spam them or reach out to them in any way. It's up to them to reach out to us for a complimentary portfolio review or just if they want to learn more about Revere or have questions on a stock or their own portfolio. Um, um, the, the, our daily market insight video that we do, a short 10, 15-minute video every night. The markets are open. We send out in the evening. It's free. It's like drinking from a fire hose. It's very red meat. Um, That keeps you abreast of what we're thinking. We talk about what we're actually doing in the shop, buys and sells we make. I mean, we are one of the most transparent uh, advisor that I'm aware of. And And then also they'll get this podcast delivered in their inbox every Saturday morning once it goes out. But if they sign up for our YouTube channel, if they go to Revere, just Revere Asset subscribe and on click YouTube. subscribe, once Zach posts this in just an hour or two, you'll actually get it Friday afternoon after it's sent out. You'll have it before 2 p.m. The market, yeah, the market may is still open when you get this. That's right. Um, so what? if you want it quicker, if you want it quicker, you can actually get it quicker. And uh, you can always uh, email any of us, Dan at RevereAsset.com, Don, Michael, or Ted at revereasset.com. And you can also always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH and Meryl will get you to the right person. Have a fun and safe weekend, folks, and we'll talk to you next week on Your Money. Because it's not how much you make, 
how much you can keep. Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.